My name is Julie Kraft and I have bipolar 2 disorder. I'm Shaylee Hugendorn and I live with bipolar 2 disorder. I was diagnosed 10 years ago at the age of 36. I was told of my diagnosis and I remember being relieved but also terrified. I know um, the perceptions and the stigma that goes along with it. I started sharing my story about four or five years ago. I decided to come forward and start sharing. It's led to me meeting the most amazing people walking the same path. So we had talked about collaborating. My greatest hope is that others will hear our stories and feel less alone. We can offer insight and give the world a real life living example of what bipolar disorder can look like. This is bipolar. This is Bipolar. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of This is Bipolar. I'm Shaylee Hugendorn and this is my co-host. Hi everyone, I'm Julie Kraft. We are, as usual, super excited to be here together filming another episode about our experiences with bipolar. Yep, and anxiety and everyday anxiety. And I think I was just thinking when you said we're super excited to be together. And I was just thinking to myself, like, I couldn't do this alone. Like we sound chipper and happy, but I think if I did it all by myself, I don't think that I could do it. So I just wanted to say that I'm really yeah. happy to be here with you. And we're, we'll add in there, you know, super excited, anxious, a little worried, um, because I think what you're going to hear in this episode, um, probably more than any of our other episodes, is that we are still very much um, on our bipolar journeys. And, uh, you know, we both still definitely deal with um, daily anxiety and all the thoughts that come with that so we're going to dive into that in more yeah. detail today so yeah yeah and it brings us back to our roots we were talking about how because we've been you know doing it for a while and we both love like dressing up in clothes and all this stuff so I feel like sometimes one of my anxieties is that we come off so put together and like look we'll give you advice about bipolar and we have experience and of course we have tips and tricks and things like that but basically what we have to offer is our lived experience and we know um, bipolar isn't curable. So this is something that we still live with. So even though we may look like uh, we have a lot of strategies, actually <laughs> using them um, doesn't always happen. And so we just thought that it would be healing for us, but also comforting yeah. to others to hear that this is and can be a daily struggle. And that's what we're going to focus on today. So, <laughs> yeah. So, but which makes us even more nervous and brings <laughs> up the anxiety because it's like this onion layer of vulnerability and we're at a, we're at the core here. Right, friend? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would love if you could get us started with um, just walk us through some of your, like an example of your everyday anxiety or some of the things um, that make you anxious and what that looks like in your life. I would just love to hear. You bet. I am going to share. I'm going to share it all. Um, and I was thinking this morning, you know, as I was getting ready, um, you know, of all the episodes that we have recorded, um, I think this one was maybe meant for me because still, um, you know, I was diagnosed back in 2010. And so, you know, along the way, of course, you know, I've tried my best to learn about my disorder, I chose the path of medication, you know, I make sure to do all the things in terms of sleep and stuff. But this by far, yes, I still struggle with um, anxious thoughts, worries, even catastrophic thinking. And so there are so many examples that I could share. But um, I'll dig into one because it's very recent, as in, within the past two weeks. So a lot of times, um, it will my anxious thoughts will uh, be in regards to relationships, emails, texts, whether they're returned or not returned. And so um, I shared in a previous episode, we've just moved to a new part of the world, um, Arizona. And so I've had the chance to meet some amazing new people. And so even to this day, for me to invite someone over to my house is huge. A lot of anxiety around that, but it's just a huge step. Um, I have a lot of insecurities. I'm not the best cook. And so I reached out in text to this one friend and I finally got up the courage to say, you know, would you love to come over for brunch? And I even went as far as to throw out a few dates. 
So I gave her two different dates. We had a school break. So I wished her, you know, a happy weekend, a happy break. And so I get a text back and it just says, you know, have a wonderful weekend too. See you soon. <gasps> ah! So of course I go back, I reread the text. I, you know, I definitely did invite her over and she responded and completely ignored the invite. Of course, instantly I took it as, you know, these are all the thoughts. Oh my goodness, I came on too strong. It was, the dates were too soon. I didn't give her enough time. Maybe I've been taking all the signals of our friendship the wrong way. And she really never wanted to be my friend in the first place. She was, you know, sympathizing and giving me, you know, this <laughs> courtesy friendship along the way. And I'm like, oh my goodness. It's just like the thoughts just went on and on and spiraled and spiraled. And then I was faced with a decision. Do I text her back? Um, you know, and risk rejection again. Um, do I just call it a day? The friendship is over, mourn the loss of that, and then, you know, try to carry on with my life. And so I actually talked to quite a few people, asked for their advice. I talked to one of my daughters, very wise, wise one, and she said, Mom, you've got to look at all of all of the information in front of you. You know, did anything happen? Did you do anything that would cause her to never want to speak to you again? And I, you know, no, no, no. And she goes, I think, I think you might want to just reach back out one more time and just, you know, super casual, like, hey, did any of those dates work for you? Took everything in me, but I decided to do that. And I instantly get a reply. I am so sorry. I was in such a rush when I read your last text. I completely missed your invite for brunch. We, you know, I would love to come over. I'm so excited. They, and like in that moment, I... <laughs> reached back out to my daughter and said, you know, basically you were right. I reached back out. There was nothing wrong. We're the best of friends and everything in my world was right again. And that's happened so many times throughout the years. And I don't know why I don't, uh, you know, why I forget that usually 99% of my thoughts are not rooted in truth or reality. And 99% of the time, things work out just fine. And so I was almost at the point of never reaching out again, avoiding her in the school parking lot, um, being angry, hurt. And I mean, it was all just a miscommunication. So um, yeah, that was just as recent as two weeks ago. So for anyone out there thinking that, you know, we don't still struggle, um, we absolutely do. So that's just, you know, one very recent yeah. example of, you know, my thinking and how it can get so far off track and just spiral completely out of control not to mention in that period of time you know I became a grouch I was not nice to my husband um, you know my kids just everything in my world was not right and so you know Shaylee I'm going to throw it back to you yeah. now um, just in terms of relationships because I know that it's not just us on our journey it's the people that live with us and you know that are walking alongside us so I'm yeah. just curious to uh, throw the ball over to you and ask you just about any of your experiences and maybe how they um, have affected or do affect the people that are closest yeah. to you yes yes um, I just wanted to Oh, when I was listening to you, I was like, yes, yes, yes. And I think one thing, because we're always trying to talk about, because we throw around this word anxiety so loosely in society right now. And I'm always trying to figure out, like, how do I explain the difference between clinical anxiety and anxiety so that people, you know, see yeah. the depth of this and just, um, yeah, I find that really difficult because of language, right? And just what you were saying. I am sure that people that don't have clinical anxiety do have some of these thoughts, right? And there's that overlap, but I think you described it well with that it takes over. It isn't just like, oh, maybe they don't like me or whatever. You can't stop thinking about it. And then like, you're just like, you, you just feel any wounding comes up from before, yeah. right? Like childhood, if you, you know, if you ever felt left out or things like that, it's like everything. Our brain just brings all that back up and tries to give evidence to the to the other, like to usually the catastrophic thought, not the, well, maybe. And I love that your daughter did that because like, that's what a therapist has said to me before, be a detective, right? 
look at all the facts, but I'm just still like, yeah, but right. And I, I just thought that was really important. And like you said, affects your whole life. Like you said, I talked to some people. I talked to my husband, like you just can't, you can't stop thinking about it. And it would be, you know, the last thing I would think about before going to bed, the first thing in the morning. And it just, it clouded every other experience I was having. It really felt as if nothing else was right in my world. Um, you know, and then in that instant of her texting back, everything flipped just that, that contrast, how I could go from, you know, the depths of despair and anger and frustration and just complete insecurity to, um, you know, being on top of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And two, I was just thinking when you were saying that the whole, um, I don't know if you get this, but I feel like there's an added layer in that then I'm judging myself. So I'm not only having all these feelings and this terrible, you know, experience myself, I'm judging myself like, because a part of me might be like, well, if other people are saying maybe it isn't a big deal. And it's like, well, not only is there something wrong with you for thinking these things, like what's the matter with you that you're always negative? Why can't you, you know, you read about reframing thoughts all the time. You post about it, you know this, but you just immediately go to that. And I find it really hard to remember that, that because it feels so much a part of my personality, I, I have a really hard time weeding out personality versus, you know, chemical imbalance because it's, it's just so, so, so confusing. And I've had things like that for sure. Um, if we're going to talk about text things or one of the first, the worst things that you can do to me is say, we need to talk oh. or um, like, I have a question for you um, the next time we see each other or whatever. And I'm just like, it must be horrible if you can't just text it. Right. And it must be, and you're breaking up with me, friendship, you're, you know what I mean? Or I've done something to completely offend you or something, uh, other things. Right. And because I'm so public online, if it's someone I try and think that, did I tell a story on the podcast that would offend them? Like I just go through, go through all the things. So do not say that just talk to them about the thing or ask the question. Don't text ahead of time. Even Even a hint. Hey, yes. I need to talk to you about, uh, you know. Yeah, it could be like, I have a question about how you train your dog. Like it might be that, but I'm thinking it's over. Like yeah. I am, I'm going to be canceled. Like yeah. <laughs> it's done, right? And we laugh because it's so, that's a coping thing too, because yeah. Yeah. when I'm retelling this thing, logically, I can yeah. see how this doesn't make sense at all. And I, logically, I could see, you know, how how far it's gone but reeling it back is feels impossible and then like you said because it's taken all all of your energy and all of your thought and your nervous system's all in whack very hard to um show up for other people in your life and other things because you've used up all your energy over here so like you said irritable one of the things that i go to a lot um, is after I've started feeling that way and feeling sad or whatever, I'm like, I need to make sense of it. So my brain wants to blame the person that's making me feel like this, even if they've done nothing wrong. Right. Like, I want to be like, how could they send that text? Like they know this would make me anxious. And I feel like the world's against me. So then I'm like angry. So I'm having this like whole relationship (laughs) situation slash maybe fight slash reconnection. I'm doing all of this. without the other person (laughs) it's just it's and it's just really hard to get stuck into it and the worst thing too is when you know then I feel like I'm burdening my people that they're just not like in their head saying oh get over this right or it's just it yeah it just feels awful it's it feels almost like mini little uh fights all the time or in your own head and then on top of that uh just the embarrassment I feel when just all fine even though I'm relieved then it's like I also get kind of upset the added upset that I feel like that was such a waste of my time and my energy and my stress and I I, and then it'll happen again it's just so messy and it just feels like we were saying before like it just feels so uh, like almost unfair 
right? Like it just yeah. feels like I want, I want that time back that I wasted on this, but it's very, very hard to put those things into practice when you're, when your brain lies to you. And First, I think, yeah. And I think also you start to question um, your reactions and your feelings to things, which is never a good feeling. So, you know, after my friend texted me back, I did sit there for a while and say, oh my goodness, here I am, this grown woman. I misread the situation. Do I have the capacity to, you know, look at things from a rational perspective? Am I always going to need to bring in someone else? So it's really hard to not gaslight yourself to not question yes. yourself um so yeah I mean it's all interconnected now Shaylee and I are both married so I don't know can I go here Shaylee am I able no. to ask a little bit more about you know how sometimes anxious thoughts or overthinking can even affect a serious relationship like a marriage yeah yeah I'm gonna go there I'm gonna go there <laughs> go there do you want me to go first yep okay and I may or may not go there <laughs> Because it's hard, right? Because yeah. then the other person's involved. But um, you know, my husband's pretty open about a lot of things. But it really, it really does uh, affect our relationship because I, um, because I catastrophically think, and I try to think out everything. I think out everything that can go wrong. So then I try to prepare for that, or I'm overthinking it. So then I go to him to talk about it, and I just like all his ideas. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Cause I feel like I've already thought about them and how they wouldn't work. And then when we finally decide something, I'm like, well, wait a minute, but this, and he's just so frustrated. He doesn't feel listened to. He doesn't like, he, it doesn't matter. He always says it doesn't matter what he says is not going to help. And then I'm either, I kind of do like, he'll even do the, like, do you want me to just listen or help? It's like the indecisiveness of it all that wastes so much energy. And then um, I feel like, because I've made such a big deal where if anything goes wrong, I feel bad or like I need to apologize to him because I forced this or I made the final decision or um, something went wrong, completely out of my control. It's, it's my fault. I should have anticipated, I don't know, that there would be something that's totally out of my control and uh, I can think of when the kids were little and like packing the diaper bag or going to places, you know, how it's a big deal, especially when you have two kids, they were under, you know, two, under two, three, I don't know. I don't know numbers. <laughs> they were very close together. And so there's, you know, it's helpful to have all the things that could help you if something went wrong, if there's a blowout in the diaper or there's, they might need snacks or they might need this or right. I like, I don't like, it makes me very anxious to not have the things I need yeah. when I'm in a hard situation. So I try to, and it's impossible. So then we go out and the one thing that we would need, like it was cloudy and we went out and I didn't have the sunscreen. I'd be like, you are the worst mother. Like, how could you not have thought of this? Like just beat myself up about, about all these things yeah. that, and then half of them don't go wrong. And then when they do that feeds into when the next time yeah. I'm like, yeah, but it did go wrong that time. It could again. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So it, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I am tracking with you. I just hear it's, you know, we're so similar in our experiences, which I think is what led to the instant connection when we met, you know, to just, and I would hope for anyone listening to just sit and be able to hear someone else describe um, such a similar way of thinking or similar experiences. It really is such a relief you know it's healing it's um and so yeah our hope in sharing this has always been you know for anyone out there that they would also know that they're not alone you know and and relationships are hard uh, really hard when you have these uh, these anxieties and I think um we have to work really, really hard at this. And I know I hear over and over messages that we get about like, you know, broken friendships and broken relationships and the guilt afterwards of thinking that it's your, your fault and such. But I just realized that I gave an example. I just watched what I did. I gave an example. I said, talking to Julie earlier about recent stuff and I gave an example with the kids. And I just thought when I did it, like, I think that I'm doing that to protect myself from just admitting that like yesterday 
or yeah. like last night that it actually really really affects affects um yeah relationship and then I was telling Julie like then um you know people I preach boundaries people in my relationship make a boundary with me and I can't handle it I, right or um yeah I'll talk about over explaining in a minute but tell us something make me feel yeah, better well showing, my, showing all my uh, insecurities <laughs> and that um we just want despite the pictures you may see on our Instagram yeah. such like our relationship <laughs> hard and rocky and then too yeah it's like it's all our fault like I've had people say to me before oh your husband's a saint because of oh you're so lucky that he's still uh, is, up with you yeah and meanwhile like it's also that's not fair either because we could talk about his things but I do carry yeah. a lot of that like if anything's wrong in our relationship or we aren't in in sync or whatever I immediately say it's me because I'm bipolar and I'm yeah. over and I blame everything on myself how about yeah. you yeah oh absolutely and I think for so long and I still struggle with this I used to think you know, my husband does have his act together. I used to, you know, tell myself he's much more stable, you know, and yes, he is putting up with me and oh my goodness, you know, I am the weaker partner. I'm the more unstable partner. Yes. And that is just a very, very hard and dangerous path to go down. But I think that's, that's my default. Someone once used an analogy that um, our brains are sort of like a, what do you call the tower at the airport? <laughs> control tower you yes know, the one that says yes this plane can land yes and so we really do need to treat each thought as a plane asking to land and we have to seriously say is this true am I going to let this land in my in my heart in my mind and sink in as truth or am I going to say nope you're not landing you got to keep taking off and someone else also said you know to retrain the way your brain thinks or its default setting overnight, it's not going to happen. It's going to take a lot of work. This is such a big struggle for me that um, I don't, not sure if all the listeners know, but I did write a lot of my story in my memoir. And so, you know, this is such a big part that I did. Actually, I have a chapter called irrational fears and overreaction. And yes. if you'll let me co-host, <laughs> yes. I'll just read a bit because sometimes it's hard to articulate exactly, you know, yes how much, but here we go. It's story time with co-host Julie. <laughs> so oftentimes it's what I did best. Um, overthink, obsess, catastrophize, jump to the worst possible conclusions, and then stay in that state of unrest for far longer than I ever should. Mm -hmm. I would even worry if the neighbor's cousin's mother's brother's cat had fleas and was up to date on its immunization. Hey, if you were hanging with me, there was never a reason for you to stress. You could sit back and relax because I had you and the entire universe covered. Oh and so God. you can only imagine how intense things got when it came to worrying about me, myself, and I. I'm going to keep going. Yes. <laughs> sit no. back and grab a coffee. In the past, my most dysfunctional reactions came when emails went unanswered. Within the first few seconds, I started sweating. By minute two, I was spiraling out of control. After five hours of not hearing back, drenched in sweat, feverishly checking my inbox along with my blood pressure. Was it something I wrote or didn't write? Had my well-intentioned words been taken the wrong way, the right way, some warped way in between? I would lie in bed each night and reread my messages, word for word, syllable by syllable, with every possible intonation. Was my, hey, hope you're doing great, been interpreted as, you are such a loser, your existence is forgettable. Now there's a very slim chance that things might have taken a turn for the better, but I highly doubt it. <laughs> or had my, hey, I hope your summer plans are as exciting as mine morphed into you're pathetic if you hadn't realized it before my vacations are far superior to yours and always will be so sending up follow-up clarifications and extensive apologies constantly crossed my mind never once nope not once did reason or rationality enter the equation nope i never ever considered the possibility that people were busy living their lives with high-powered jobs kids to care for vacations to take dogs to walk and cats to shampoo <laughs> so it goes on and on and on but yes. I, will wrap, 
I'll wrap up by saying, thank goodness my fears were almost always proven unfounded. I would eventually receive replies within a week or six months and my paranoia would be put to rest. I hadn't offended anyone. There was usually an apology or half decent reason for their tardy reply, a jam packed schedule, a trip to the moon, being trapped in a full body cast or having just come out of a coma. <laughs> so that was a little long winded, but just, no, just so a glimpse. And it, and it, it seems, and it still seems to be that it is, it is constant. And um, I don't think I've known a time in my life when my mind wasn't whirling. Um, so, you know, sometimes I am really curious what it would be like to, to not have all those extra thoughts and added worries. And I'll often do a brain dump to my husband of, you know, what's spinning in my head and he'll just be flabbergasted and just say, you know, how, how do you live like that? How do you function like that? Um, I, you know, I don't even have one of those worries spinning around it even in a week's time. So, um, yeah. And I remember reading, um, a very powerful piece that you wrote. I think it was a letter to my mind, my beautiful mind. And you described a little bit of your thinking process. And I just sat there and went, oh my goodness, I'm not the only one in the toothpaste aisle. <laughs> right thinking of all those thoughts so it's just so incredibly powerful and hearing uh healing when you find out that the way your brain works and thinks and whirls um is that you're not alone in that yeah yeah I and I you know what when you're reading that I was like I think that was the (laughs) the part of the book that I uh clung to the most right and I think that was when I was like we will be friends (laughs) forever yeah and Julie would never (laughs) plug her book but I am gonna say ah you can you can buy it wherever books are sold but you the best price and usually um the best place is on her website so you're very kind buy her book thank you for your support friends (laughs) of course number one well and I even have worries and thoughts about that. I mean, it's a, it's a miracle. Number one, that I, you know, got over my fears and insecurities as a writer and then all the stumbling blocks along the way to actually put it out into the world. And after, you know, sharing today, how sensitive I am, it was a really big, big thing to put so much of yourself, um, out there, you know, and we talk about vulnerability hangovers. And so, um, yeah, yeah, Yeah. definitely. Ah, it's like putting your heart every time I write something or even post, it's like putting your, uh, you know, your heart on display and you're like someone, you know, people poke it or whatever. It's, it's, it's just really hard. And I love what you said about just someone it's this, it's like this people say me too, or um, saying some things you can relate to aloud is like being, is like your pains getting witnessed, right. Or you're, you it's just so shocking to me. Like we have like, we're shocked that a lot of people listen or or are Instagram and get messages all the time. So why do I still think I'm the only one that's this weird and there's something wrong with me when, you know, I know there's so many people out there and it just shows how deep, you know, the self stigma and the stigma is and that we're always fighting that. And it reminded me um, of there's two things that I was, And then I have something. So yeah, (laughs) two things. These ones are almost like things that um that I've been trying to do, and I just felt like I it reminded me of what you said. Um, the thoughts. So the thoughts you said, let them land. I just love that image. I was picturing all the things, and it was uh, I've done lately. So I've named my anxiety because I'm trying to see it outside myself, so I don't think I'm a loser, right? So I've named it uh, because I'm a teacher in like alliteration. So it's ang it's ang Agnes anxiety. I think of it like a car and I'm just like, you know, I used to try and just like get out. Right. If Agnes is my anxiety, but now I realize that that just makes her louder. So then I'm like, okay, you know, I see you, you're here. Yeah. But you don't get to take the wheel. Yeah. Right. Or get in the back or bye-bye Agnes or tell her, you know, tell her you're, but I do need to acknowledge it. Whereas 
you know, trying to put it away right away. Um, um, just, it just doesn't work. It comes back uh, tenfold. Right. And another thing was I follow this and I'll put in the show notes, her name's Elise Myers. And I just love her the way she can put her stories and anxieties. And she has a saying that she says either in her head to herself, or she actually uses it with other people when they try and put, um, things on her is her, her thing is I don't receive that. So I cannot believe how many times I say, in my head that that now like okay yeah. i'm saying you're a loser you're a burden my big thing is being a burden to Aww. everybody by saying yeah. you know all the yeah like my existence is is just a burden to my friends and family and just to the world right i just have this whole yeah it's it's one of my things that i'm working through and i just am just like i don't i i don't receive that nope and like that. now i'm going to think of the airplane cuz i love visual yeah nope you're not landing. I see you around there. You're going to have to find somewhere else to land or you you're welcome to go around and fly around and around, but I I do not receive that and you will not land. And then try my best to do every strategy I have to keep going. Does it always work? No, but I think that, you know, all those little steps, I think we think we need to get miraculously rid of the thought, which makes things worse. And I think more therapy and the more I'm learning is that acknowledging it is the first step. Doesn't mean it feels better yet. Yep, exactly. Well, oftentimes, you know, the minute you tell yourself, don't think about this. I mean, what are you automatically going to do? That's all you're going to think about. So I read somewhere once that um, the better thing to do is just focus on how you want to feel or um, instead of not thinking the thought. So say if I'm driving and I'm really anxious at driving and I think I'm going to crash or something's going to fly off a truck, which often happens down here on the freeways. um, Instead of, you know, don't think about that happening, I think. How would I want to feel? Well, I'd like to feel more confident behind the wheel. I wish I was yeah. more calm. And so just to sort of shift the focus, it's there. And instead of trying to, you know, shove it away or deny it, it's, it's, it is, it's sort of finding, finding this, this way to, you know, sit with it. And yeah, yeah it, there's no miraculous, um, over the night cure, but yeah. yeah, the, the funny or not so funny thing is, um, as advocates, even these anxieties and worries um, creep in uh, right down to interviews that we give and even some of the interviews. So I would love for Shaylee, you to even shed like even um, as advocates and even with this podcast, we have. Yeah. 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 Because we borrow confidence from each other on here, right? So then, but there's been times where both of us have been like, take it all down, <laughs> burn it all down. It's all yeah. awful. Yeah. But I've had um, actually a couple times, and I used to do a vlog before the podcast too called Sisters and Mental Illness. Anyways, I've had some experiences where, you know, your hope is if you interview um, someone, you, your hope is that they'll have a good experience and that, you know, that you connect and everything. And I feel like that's happened with, with everyone. But what happens to me is I've had it where they didn't share right away, or there was even someone that didn't share it at all. Oh, like I'm convinced that I have completely offended them. I've botched the interview. I've made them uncomfortable, which is my worst fear. And that uh, like, that it's terrible. So then I'm thinking, do I take it down? Do I like, why wouldn't they? But then I also don't want to be like, people are different about what they want on their social media. Right. So I'm like, don't want to be like pathetic either. Like, why didn't you share? Did you not like our interview? Or was there someone that something that offended you? Cause I'm also scared. What if I don't actually really want to know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We did all all that work. Do we want to pull it? And then chances are sometimes they're, they actually have a schedule. And they weren't planning to put yeah. it until a couple of weeks. And I so appreciated um, when I interviewed Cherise, she told me that stuff, so just so you know, I have a schedule that's going to come out later or whatever. And I was like, so grateful for that because in that time period, I've worked up to, I should quit. I can't. Oh yeah. You're a terrible person, Shay. Like, you know, I, the mind goes there and it goes there quickly sometimes. I mean, I think we've even done an interview together for a publication and it wasn't coming out, it wasn't coming out, it wasn't coming out. And then I, I think the publication no longer even is around. So all this time. Yes, the magazine that all we this, yes. 
so all this time we're laying in bed was it the way I answered this question was it this was it that and it's <sighs> and maybe they're just maybe they're just not telling us and they're trying to be nice by just ghosting us or whatever then yeah. it turns out they like got bought out and then it yeah. Cause then I was like, I saw another post of another story since then. And I'm like, they chose that. Like, oh, I know. And we, Julie and I, like when you overthink things, we work so hard because there was like, so it was such a detailed interview. And I mean, we know now we have yeah. those things. It wasn't a complete waste, but that was a lot of time. And I actually had this with another podcast came out a year, maybe even longer, a year later. Right. And I actually had to ask, which was humiliating because I didn't, but I needed to know. And then yeah. I checked, they'd be like, oh, soon. And then it'll be months. So if you're someone that has a podcast or magazine or anything, always let people know. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I do that too because Julie and I don't do, we go with our flow and our creativity. So we don't, we're not a podcast that's like every Thursday at 10 a.m., we drop or every second, we do <laughs> approximately two a month. Yeah. Right. So yeah. we always tell our people, I don't, we don't know the exact date. We know it will be in this month and we will give you a, in a this year, yeah, in this year. <laughs> but yeah, like after that long. And then I was like, cause I forget what I say. I was like, will I still feel the same? It was I, a year ago. You learn a lot in a year. Luckily it was, but there was like, I didn't even mention the podcast in it because it didn't exist when the interview went in and it was oh, right. The other thing is, this is our heart and our soul and our yes. stories that we're pouring out. And so the minute you feel like it's being rejected, I mean, that is yeah. your heart and your soul and your thoughts and your experiences that. And you're old, like we both carry, uh, you know, even though we're trying to rewrite the story, these shame <laughs> stories, right? Like I'm yeah. sure when you put your art out there, it feels like, you know, like this is still rejection is hard, but I yeah. think it's that it's the, it's, it felt like my greatest shame story for so long. Like, yep. <laughs> Lord, don't yep. you feel good? You, you know, people listen, like, cause we were like hoping to have a couple listeners. Right. And it turns out they're, Oh, I know. I know. Um, but still it's like, I don't, we always joke like this wasn't what we thought we would be like, yeah. quote unquote, like known for like, yeah. Yeah. Like, do we do you want to be you know it didn't it was the thing we were trying to hide and then now yeah. when you google us it's the the most first known. thing that pops up well and I'm so thankful we have each other when we go through these insecure moments when it comes to our advocacy or interviews I mean thank goodness we can get on here you know and say to each other encourage each other like no 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 that interview is fantastic and you know another thing my husband always sometimes needs to remind <laughs> me <laughs> all the time is um it's not always about you <laughs> which I often think and so you know to find out that my friend was busy getting ready for a trip out of town she skipped over my brunch invite it had nothing to do with me and you know I instantly out of insecurity you know my default setting is that it's a flaw with me it's all about me and um and I also need to also here's a little tiny offshoot yeah. I've had times darker times in my life when I have a hard time responding to texts responding to emails and I need grace with that and so I actually have someone it's been it's been a month I'm going to email them right after we stop recording but you know, I also need to be gracious because I know there have been times where I've probably left someone else um, on the other end, you yeah. know, hanging and wondering. And so, um, yeah, I'm always sure though to apologize and not make excuses, you know, yeah. there's only so busy someone can be. So sometimes I'll usually just leave it at sorry for my slow reply. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was not shampooing my cat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, and that's the same actually with this, um, with our, our Instagram, um, like it's just me and Julie y'all and, and a lot, Shaley, you do so much. I'm so grateful. Oh, uh, we're so yes. Are grateful for each other's, uh, opposite giftings. Right. And I love, uh, I want each, I want to answer each message. And I also like want to honor it, you know, it, and, and do a good message back. 
right? But sometimes it gets me to losing it because Instagram, come on now, you got to organize it better. There should be a file of unanswered because then as soon as people like stuff, it pushes them 60 down, right? And if you read it anyways, that's a whole nother story that gives me anxiety, but I know I've missed some, or if they've asked, I, I want the answer to be so good and caring or whatever, that sometimes I end up not answering and it getting lost. Yeah. at all. So I always make sure I at least heart it. And that goes back to, um, with my friends, I'm like, they know this. So they know, like, if they, like, I've read, like, if I've poured yeah. out all my pain to them, or, or something, we have this close circle of WhatsApp group, where we can just be totally honest, and yeah. it's radio silence for a while, they also know that uh, they know that so they'll just put a heart or I've said to friends before like when I'm not doing well and I can't just know if I send you this purple heart um that I have read it and my heart is with you and I love you I just don't it's not about you I just don't have the capacity to respond right now and I think even doing that because sometimes it messes me up because I want the perfect answer so I don't answer at all yeah yeah Exactly. So if you're one of those people, message back. <laughs> yeah, message back. I know. And, and also, you know, this is where for me, it's been so important to, you know, with my safe friends, not with everyone, but just share, share that I have all these thoughts and worries so that they can sort of, you know, if they do leave that message, call me back. I have something huge to ask you. We are thinking you are going to want one of our organs. Yes. <laughs> Right. Our mind will think of every possible scenario or question or thing that you need, and then it will focus in on the worst. And then we're going to focus on um, how we can avoid you for the rest of our lives. And we we can't expect people in our life to like, why would you know you sometimes you get like well how could they do that to me but if yeah. we don't actually tell them how that made us feel then they're they're gonna think it's no big deal because that wouldn't bother them they were yeah. actually asking to borrow your I don't know we're on an animal thing dog shampoo right like yeah yeah, yeah. right so telling them or whatever I would love yeah. to hear um so we clearly yeah. we to do a whole episode on relationships and we'll yeah. probably do more but yeah. I want to hear about some of your everyday things I know that um, you've mentioned, and I know I got a couple of texts about and stuff to do with everyday things like the hairdresser. Yeah. Tell me your hairdresser. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the hairdresser. So, you know, we've just moved. The biggest, most important thing after you move is finding a good hairdresser. So this was it. This is the salon in town. I booked in with the owner, um, waited two months to get in and, uh, it came to my appointment day and I'm just sitting there going, okay, 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 okay. The small talk at the hairdresser, it always gets me, but I thought this is a fresh start. This is a chance <laughs> for me to, you know, put my best hair forward, my best face forward. And, you know, I'm sitting there, am I going to starting over? You what am I going to say when she asks, you know, what I do? And am I going to tell her, you know, that I'm a oh, mental yeah. health advocate. Do I go, you know, there's all those fears for us when we first meet someone. And sure enough, you know, she's so cool looking and tattoos and her hair is amazing. And she comes forward to me and I happen to have my cell phone in my right hand or my left hand. And she goes to shake my hand and I've got my cell phone. So we end up shaking with the cell phone phone, and then I almost drop it. And the most awkward and the entire rest of the hair appointment, all I could think of was recovering, proving to her that I'm, you know, a good person, a good mother. Then I admitted to her that going to the hairdresser makes me anxious. And then there's always when they're rinsing your hair out and you're laying back and what, what do I do with my hands? Do I lay them at the side? Do I cross them over? And I'm going to look like I'm in a coffin. Am I going to, am I, where am I like just, and then it's, Who's sitting beside me? Do they know I'm listening to them? I want to see what their hair looks like, but if they see me look over, are they going to think I'm creepy? She's back. She's back with the bleach. Okay. Do I close my eyes? I just don't want to talk anymore, but she's talking. But if it gets too quiet, who's going to break the silence? By the time I left, (laughs) I was blonde again, but I don't know if I'll ever go back because I just, I can't stop replaying the handshake. Just because you think it or feel it doesn't mean it's true. And I have to always remind that just because I feel it, just because I felt like it was an awkward handshake, she might not have thought twice about it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's 
that's usually the case, right? Yeah. Oh, yes. But I've talked to a lot of people that also struggle, you know, with that awkward hairdresser. I mean, it's the reason I didn't go for nine months, just because what do you talk about after hour three? <laughs> well, it's like, it's like, yeah, look how much hair I have, you know, yeah. I've had, and actually I'm having a lot I of your hair and I, like, we can laugh about it. And to some people that might not have anxiety, we might seem like superficial, but we're trying to show you that yeah. everyday yeah. things like doctor's appointment, like a lot of those things. And then, and then also sometimes not to me, for me, I don't know if it's the same for you, but sometimes I breeze through nothing because I'm an extrovert and I'm fine yeah. but then there's some that aren't I'm going to tell you one that I just thought of and it's kind of medical yeah. and gross but I think okay. it's we have I'm to here for it to. we're here for so it so I had to take a sample okay I had to take a stool sample that wasn't my own for oh wow okay that was, okay let's not this is a yeah. thing we have to take samples when they yeah. were Okay, so I was already so stressed about it. I was, you know, like getting it right and all these things and it wasn't me. So I had to, you know, all the things. I had it in a Ziploc bag and then another bag. And then in case you could see it, another bag. Okay, and you're walking in and the office is small and I'm already like heart palpitating or whatever. Everyone knows that you're there for that. This is normal. Like this isn't, I don't need to make this into a big deal. But I'm like sweating. I've already put it off for longer than I should, right? And so I go in and it's small or whatever. And then of course, there's like a, a long waiting. So it's building and building and building. And I see them talking to other people and I'm like, they're not being very discreet. Like, no. it's like, this is not set up for an anxious person. So then I go up and I'm trying to lean in and quiet or whatever this is for. She's like, well, where's the blue form? Well, I didn't have the blue form. So I'm just like, the person was mean to me and I'm not overreacting. She was mean. She was like, you don't have the blue form. And I'm like, no, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I can tell you when I came, I can tell you the health number of the person it's for. Da, da, da. And I keep repeating that it's not oh. mine, which then I'm stressed because I feel like the people behind me think I'm just saying that because I'm anxious, but really it is. It was awful. So I'm like trying not to cry and hyperventilate or whatever. She gets me all the new forms. I run out of there. I'm bawling yep. just on the way home, like from so many things, from all the experience and the embarrassment. And also just like, how could you be such a cruel person? And also like, ah, oh, this is the closest blood clinic or places that you go. And I can never show my face there again. Ever. <laughs> and I did it. I made my husband bring the next one and whatever. So I'm just like, if you're listening and you're like, no, like just always be kind. Cause the simple yes. thing may uh, may be so hard and like even thinking about it right now yeah heart palpitations and like the hairdresser like you said and um my hairdressers moved to the movie industry and I my hair is hard to do because it's different it's coarse and curly and I dye it a hard color which is red and beautiful it's been 21 years he's been doing my hair and I just don't even know what to do and y'all can't see but I like gray the gray is to here like it is time but the thought of going <laughs> and because I've had things messed up I'm just I just don't even I don't even know what to do about that so when you brought that on I was like Ugh. well and I, I yeah sorry and I think what to take into consideration you were talking like that's why we're so exhausted and then maybe make other decisions or whatever think about how hard it is to think through that and be thinking like that all the time like there's yeah. no reprieve hopefully this gives a little insight into just how exhausting um, it can be. And I love that you mentioned, you know, for anyone out there listening that does not struggle in this way, um, I think one of the most hurtful things that I can hear is if I tell someone, you know, how anxious I am as a driver, and they'll just flat out say, oh, don't worry, you'll be fine. I'm like, well, you'll be fine. But I, you know, it just completely invalidates my feelings, my experiences. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing kinder uh, than that someone can say is, you know, oh, that must be so hard. And is there anything I can do to make things a little easier? And so I know I've mentioned it before, but parking, driving, yeah. it's, it's right up there on my list. And so I have friends, you know, they'll, we're getting together, they'll actually give me specific directions or specific parking instructions yeah. and that just I can't even tell you how much that means to me to know that they've listened to me they understand me um, and they're willing to stand beside me in that not dismiss my fears but come alongside and do whatever they can to support me and not belittle me because I think as a as a grown adult um, I've driven since I was 16 but it's still 
hard and it's easy for me to go to that place. You know, what's my problem? I'm such a loser. This is an adult thing that I should be able to do like that. Yeah. should. should. And I've met so many other adults that either don't have their driver's license yet, um, are trying to get it or that have just as much anxiety uh, as I do. And just that feeling, you know, you're not alone and you're okay. And there are a million other things that I can do aside from parallel park. I mean, instead of parallel park. Or, I always you know, say I can parallel park if there was no one around, which is <laughs> impossible. Never. I was by myself and there was no pressure and I knew no one was going to be on the street. I could probably <laughs> whip that vehicle in there, but no, don't even, I just yeah. can't. Um, yeah. And I th- yeah. what, what you said was really important. I know it's awkward and you want to make someone feel better, but yeah. you're actually making it more awkward and worse by trying to make us feel better because you yeah. know what? Yeah. We're not going to tell you next time we're worried or we're anxious because we're going to be, we're not going to be able to come to you with that same thought. And I'm not going to trust you because if I can't share that and you don't receive it or witness it, and you're just telling me, you know, yeah. the things refer to our episodes of words that hurt and words that help yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, I think that we'll, I mean, we're going to be talking about anxiety again and again and again, but we really wanted yeah. to talk about everyday anxiety. And also because we're kind of living in it and sometimes I feel like I'm talking about things that happened in the past or this and we really wanted you to know that you're not alone yeah right yeah and we've even one of our 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 posts we've asked people and we're going to do another episode saying you know with the things that other people uh have for everyday anxieties and our second hope is that if you're listening and I really hope um that there are people also that love someone or anybody because we know how many people have mood disorders and or mental illness we hope that it can help give you a little bit of light about how to be a better friend or coworker, um, and just see see our humanity and see our illness and just try just try to take a glimpse into what it's like to live with a bipolar brain yeah so thanks for being here and listening this is bipolar this is bipolar Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode. You can find previous as well as future episodes on YouTube for the video version. You can find the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Podbean. And we spend most of our time where you can join our community and interact on Instagram at this.is.bipolar. It is so helpful if you enjoy our work or think it would be helpful to someone if you could like and share and save and follow us in all or any of those spaces. Another thing that's really, really helpful if you're a listener for the podcast, if you could leave a review, we would be forever grateful. Again, thank you for being here with us. Let's get the word out. Let's share lived experiences so that we can change the ideas that people have about bipolar and help those of us that live with it feel less alone. See you next time.